It is 7.45 on a Saturday morning on News Talk 830 WCCO. Time for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you this morning? I'm doing quite well. It's kind of a nice, fresh morning here in the Twin yes, Cities. Indeed. We'll, we'll, we'll take it. fortunate. Yes, but, but you know the other shoe will drop one of these days. Eventually. Yeah, eventually. well, what... Uh, we sure have difficult times in, over the last several weeks weather-wise. Oh, absolutely. Wow. been different, but it's uh, we'll, we'll take this. And I know uh, that you have uh, some uh, more chat about wine and other things. Indeed. In fact, I thought I would share with our listeners my crystal ball of what I see in the wine and spirits industry in the year ahead as we go galloping into this brand new decade, the roaring 20s revisited, if you will. The most important thing I think that's going to come along that people are going to be interested in is Prosecco Rosé. I predict that that'll be approved by the end of this summer and be available by fall of next year. Uh, the Rosé people make their wine out of Glera grapes, G-L-E-R-A grapes, and with to make Rosé, they'll add 15% Pinot Noir. And, of course, uh, Prosecco has been on fire for a long, long time. It's had a compounded growth in the U.K., which is its biggest market. It's doubled in the last five years. And a growth of 20% and more is not unusual. So when this new uh, Prosecco Rosé comes out, I predict it's going to be very, very popular. And we'll be able to see that probably coming in the fall. And while we're talking about rosés, rosés continue their explosive growth. I remember saying to you, Denny, well, we had 40 rosés, and that was a lot. That was maybe five or six years ago. Today, we boast over 400 rosés. It's just incredible. And uh, rosés should probably start becoming brosés, because more and more men are drinking rosé at present, 40% of the market is women ages 21 to 35, but that's growing by leaps and bounds. And I think you'll see more men drinking rosé as they popularize these drier forms of rosé, certainly from Provence and the Côte de Rhone, and from our own California and Oregon. They're producing some wonderful rosés out there, and they aren't just for the ladies, because some of them, as I've told many, many times on this show, Tavel is my favorite, Royal Tavel, and it's a, a rosé wine for a red wine drinker. And any guy that wants to say rosés aren't for him has never tried a good Tavel. Uh, just to show you the importance of that, Louis Vuitton, the big company uh, that specializes, of course, in uh, the finest of the fine, uh, Moet, they also own Moet and Hennessy. They just bought Sasha Lachine's company. Sasha's father was the famous Alexis Lachine, and about 20 years ago, he bought a vineyard in Provence called Chateau Esclans, and they make something called Whispering Angel that most people have probably heard of. It's a very, very good rosé, and the fact that Louis Vuitton Moet has acquired that company because, incidentally, they just acquired Tiffany in this country, uh, which will close sometime this next month. Anyhow, just to show you that uh, they're very, very serious, obviously, about uh, rosé wines for them to make a plunge into buying uh, Whispering Angel. And uh, it's a permanent big category, rosé. It isn't any fad. It isn't going to go 
by the boards like it did many years ago. It's here to stay. And uh, so look for more and more rosés coming from everybody. And and try them. Like I said, uh, if you don't believe me that uh, guys can drink rosé, try it to Ville. Then, of course, we have that uh, hangover, if you will, that we got from Sideways, which was a movie in 2004. So that's 16 years ago. And it sort of bemoaned Merlot. And, of course, boy, did it do a number on Pinot Noir. Since 2004, Pinot Noir has gone up in the United States plantings of that triple what they had in 2004 they have today. And Merlot has dropped 23% in that same time. So, But Merlot, I predict, is making a comeback. More and more people are trying stuff like Sanamion, which is a softer uh, version of most Bordeaux, and the reason is it's Merlot and not 100% Cabernet. It's more Merlot than Cabernet, and most of Bordeaux is more Cabernet than Merlot. So I think Merlot is going to make a comeback. So are oak Chardonnays. You know, when we go up and down like a yo-yo on whether people like oak or un-oak Chardonnays, and I think oak Chardonnays are making a comeback, and it's nice to see it because they're complex and very, very nice. Uh, for example, France and Italy have increased their productions of oak Chardonnay by double digits. Another fad that's going to be more uh, important, I think, is eco-friendly, vegan wines, natural wines, etc. At present, natural wines or vegan wines comprise 20% of the French market, 15% of the Italian market, and 20% of the Swedish market. So those people in Europe are a little ahead of us in going after some of these wines. And, you know, to tell you the truth, most wines are uh, uh, natural wines and vegan wines and things like that. There are very few things they can do to a wine that would make it non-vegan. But uh, people are enamored with that project. And I see Bordeaux wines still being sort of iffy. The economy there is uh, the wines are of the famous first growth are all stayed very expensive, although they haven't gone up very much in the last six or seven years. They still are very expensive, and it has been out of most people's range. So I don't see any great growth in Bordeaux wines. And then, of course, we have the problem of the tariffs coming on. Uh, the tariffs uh, were uh, enacted on a lot of French wine, and now we're going to see the tariffs supposedly on Italian, German, etc., and even Scotch, uh, Spanish wines, and all. And nothing's been decided on that, but if that goes into effect, that certainly will be a big effect. But because of the climate change, it, wines are popping up in places that you wouldn't expect them in the past. For example, in Canada, up around Vancouver, you can go out and visit all kinds of vineyards there. In our own Minnesota, we have over 80 different vineyards in Minnesota, and uh, they're making some remarkable wines. Some of the Minnesota uh, vineyards are making wines from California grapes, and some make them from those cold-weather grapes uh, that the U specializes in. Uh, wine in Great Britain, they everybody laughs and says Essex will be the new champagne capital because they're making so much champagne in uh, Great Britain, and uh, 
it's really not bad champagne. I mean, I don't think it's quite where the French champagne is. But climate change is affecting all of that. And and even uh, in Bordeaux, where we see the flooding of the Garonne River and the raising of the banks is affecting Chateau Latour and Chateau Montrose, as well as Ducru Boucaillou. Uh, this is going to change uh, people's approach to growing grapes, etc. So the, there, there's something they're going to have to do that uh, to those grapes uh, to modify this climactic change. And, of course, while we're on that subject, the most interesting thing to me is the Israel is growing vineyards in the desert, and vineyards are coming from all over the world to see this. Uh, they put shade limits on the grapes. They kind of bag them, and between... Uh, um, uh, fertilizing and irrigating, etc. They're producing some very, very good wines in the desert in Israel. And like I say, it has caused people to sit up and take notice of what might happen with their climate change. Look at California. The, over the last several years, we've lost hundreds of thousands of acres to fires. And the disaster in Australia with the flames is something else. So they're going to have to look at uh, these things. Uh, as an aside, of course, one of the positive things is hard seltzer. I would have never predicted the growth of that. It's just incredible. But I think it's part of a healthy trend. Uh, they have exciting new flavors. <clears throat> Pardon me. Men and women uh, both like seltzer. It isn't a question of just being a lady. <coughs> Pardon me. Ladies are a man's drink. And another new thing is a new container I saw uh, coming out. This is a company in Spain called Garcon, and they make a container that's 80% lighter than glass, and it loses less energy in its creation. And it, yet it's a solid uh, container, biodegradable. It weighs a lot less than glass, so shipping makes is appealing to it. I predict we're going to see more of that. I think there's only two wineries, and they're both in Spain using it. I think um, as more and more wineries hear about it, they will uh, do stuff like that. And, you know, who knows? Today they make meat that has no meat in it. We might see them making wine that has no grapes in it, uh, but I don't know. And, uh, you know, but they've been talking about corks being past their time for years. Well, the good news there is, yes, indeed, uh, the cork business isn't what it used to be, but it's where it should be. Expensive, really good wines are generally put in the cork closure for everyday stuff. Uh, those uh, screw caps are fine, and even the glass stoppers that you see on a lot. Uh, as I said about this glass, with the new, they have Tetra Packs, plastic, aluminum, you're going to see a lot more experimenting than in glass bottles, which will be exciting. Uh, some of the people in the wine business are becoming more theatric and making it more entertaining, and that's a good sign. Chester Osborne in Australia has a thing called the Osborne's Cube, where you can go inside an inhalation room. In other words, you smell the wine as you walk through the inhalation room, and art everywhere. And, of course, John Charles Boisset has done that at Buena Vista, where he's created a wonderful light show. Uh, Raymond, 
uh, and uh, his other vineyards, where he's combined wineries with entertainment and art. And it, it makes it a very, very wonderful experience. So we're always going to have this excitement that goes on in the wine business, and it's always going to be changing. Uh, at the end of the day, wine is art. So we're always going to have great wine collections, and we're going to have great winemakers. Uh, you know, as you look at the greatness of wine scarcity, for example, Romani Conti wine is going to always be expensive because the whole world demand has to come from about three acres. Uh, history. If a winery has a history of six generation, etc., you can be sure that over a long period of time, that quality wine they've been producing, the new ones will meet those standards. Critics will continue to be an influence in the wine business, no question about it, as will social media and social trends. And while social media has bolstered certain mass market wines, uh, it also has created a market for organic farming wines, etc. So all of these things put together uh, are, are a remarkable change, in my opinion, as to what's happening in the wonderful world of wine. China is expected to eclipse France as the number two wine market for wine in the world. Now, who would have ever thought of that? 35 years ago, there wasn't even a vineyard in China for table grapes. They have lots of vineyard land. As a matter of fact, China is the second largest vineyard land in the world, but most of it's for table grapes. Today, China is embracing drinking wine, and who would have ever thought that? But so all these things will combine to be what's going to happen that's going to be exciting, interesting in the world of wine, and that's my 2020 vision. I love it. Well, Jack, we have to head to news. Let's talk a little bit about Haskell's. Haskell's has the wine you want to go with whatever meal you want to pair it with. And the folks at Haskell's love to do that, and they'll help you pair whatever you're preparing with a perfect wine, and best of all, they'll help you pick a wine that won't break the bank. There's an Askels near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Askels in Bloomington. There's Askels in Excelsior. In Faribault, we're right off of 35. There's Haskell's in Maple Grove. The super seller up there is incredible. There's free parking in downtown Minneapolis, both on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, we do deliver. So you can just call up and have it delivered right to your very front door. Sounds mighty fine, Jack. Let's talk again next week. Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. That's Jack Farrell from Haskell's.